This is InchaTech Perspectives with Bolt. And we have another returning guest this month, and that's Clay Bodnarik, Bolt's Executive Vice President of Alternative Distribution. And it was a slightly different conversation with Clay this time around because he had a lot to catch us up on. Not only did we talk about two really big deals that we're now finally allowed to talk about, we also chatted about how it feels to have a truly global device protection team and a truly global bunch of teammates. So sometimes we'll work together on a global opportunity and we bring each of the respective geographies to work together on that. Other times we just share what's really working well in a particular geography. We then took a little sideways glance at the role that device protection can play in the Bolt Insurance Exchange. And I think it's just a key part of the power of Bolt and Bolt Tech is taking that exchange and the massive distribution that it opens up. And so we're being very thoughtful about which products to bring onto the exchange to make sure that they make sense in the marketplace. And towards the end, Clay chipped in with a really interesting point that I just hadn't considered before. So trying to keep up with all of the demands for network access, yet they get virtually nothing out of every one of those transactions. As you'll hear me say, he really is one of the nicest guys in the business. And he's also one of the smartest with plenty of interesting perspectives for us to think about. So pull up a seat. It's episode 12. When we spoke last year, a lot was in planning and development, and very clearly, some of those plans have now come into fruition. So firstly, I should say congratulations on two very big projects that just went live in May. Can we talk firstly about Bolt's new partnership with Chat Mobility? And for our international listeners, I should add that Chat Mobility are a regional wireless operator in the US. In the UK, I guess we'd call this a a mobile operator. And Bolt is now providing Chat Mobility's device protection. So again, congratulations. Purely being, I guess, inquisitive around this move from Bolt, what was in your sales pitch? And also, what do you think really resonated with the team at Chat Mobility? What do you think sold it? Oh, thank you, Fiona. Yeah, we're clearly we're very excited to be uh, working with the Chat Mobility team. You mentioned sales pitch. A lot of it is just longtime relationship with the chat mobility team. They're really a, a pioneer and they reached out to us to say, hey, Bolt, you know, we know you're in this space and relatively new in this space, but we'd be really interested to see how you'd be able to help us out and how you'd be able to deliver the experience that our wireless customers are looking for. So that was certainly key. The other part that excited them as we started to introduce them to Bolt, they were obviously looking for a device protection provider, but when they saw some of the other InsureTech type products that we could open up for them, that was something that really uh, lit them up. Yeah, yeah, it's all about relationships, which I think is is often the thing that comes out, I think, in, in any business. But that's really interesting what you were saying about the other stuff going on with Bolt, because my chat, all, in fact, all of my previous chats with, with all of you at Bolt have revealed so many different things in, in the technology space. And of course, Bolt Tech, the parent company, are, are very big on device protection as well. So it seems pretty much like a, a marriage made in heaven. A lot of this reinforces what we previously talked about last year, which is helping brands sort of pivot and present 
present themselves as this one-stop shop. And I guess that's maximising as much value as possible from their brand equity to offer the end consumer even more possibilities. Do you think that's now the direction of travel, this idea of establishing a consumer almost fan base and then being able to offer them a whole range of products whenever they're engaging with you online? Certainly, we are seeing that in the wireless space, and it goes in a couple of paths as wireless operators there are the kind of two key challenges is making sure that they keep and have a stronger relationship with their wireless subscribers. And so anything they can do that's going to make that relationship deeper is very important to them. I think one good example that we see here in the U.S. is some of the things that uh, T-Mobile has done. They're Mm. very much a leader in trying to broaden out the connection and relationship with the end subscriber. They introduced about a year ago a product called T-Mobile Money, which is really just a online digital banking solution. You generally don't think of going to your wireless operator for your banking. I think it's very thoughtful on their side to be able to say, if we have someone that has their banking relationship through a T-Mobile partner, that's just going to make that relationship stickier. So I think that's the first part. And then the second part would be, as we discussed last time we spoke, as a wireless operator with basically all of your rate plans and the revenue per subscriber on, on fixed program structures with unlimited data, any opportunity to perhaps monetize other parts of that relationship are also very important. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's all about relationships, isn't it? And and, and it's all about having that trust with that brand. I know of a, um, I think I'm sure I've mentioned this example so many times before, John Lewis, a brand here in the UK, who um, are known to be a just a really well-regarded and trusted brand who began quite a while ago selling, I think, all kinds of insurance, but particularly homes insurance, which I think I bought because I thought I, I trust that brand. So I, I will buy my homes insurance from them. This also leads me, you've been so busy. This leads me to your other big piece of news, which is Bolt's tie-in with IMG. And this sees Bolt embedding device protection into IMG's travel medical cover. And what I love about this is that these two are obviously very natural bedfellows. Certainly when I'm traveling, I need to know that any health emergencies are covered, but also in parallel, my mobile phone when I'm abroad is my link to everything when I'm away from home. It's like my airline boarding pass is on there, my Airbnb details, my music on my Spotify app, it's all on there. So this is really interesting. Can you talk to us about that partnership? No, absolutely. And I I think you're spot on just that time of need. And you've talked even with some of my other Bolt colleagues. One of the things that really comes out is that's really galvanizing focus for us is delivering insurance at the point of need. Mm -hmm. And IMG is really a trusted brand that people go to when they are traveling. And as we talked with IMG, about a device protection product, certainly one of the things they were very concerned about is the product has to stand up to the expectations that they set with their customers. Yeah. And it's also, I'm just thinking to myself, because I'm going away this year and I'm thinking it's awful. We we like to think that we'll switch off from our smartphones, but actually I feel very uncomfortable about not having my smartphone there for all the reasons that I said. So I, I love this direction um, that you're going in and that we've been talking about. And you said you'd be busy and you absolutely were, were right. You clearly have been busy. And I wonder also where there are so many different markets that could tap into this. I'm thinking about corporations that could offer this for business travel, because if you're on business travel, you really need your phone too, right? Certainly. And if you look closely at the IMG product mix, you do 
see that they're covering just a whole range of travel products. Everything from, think of missionaries, think of students, Mm. think of corporate travelers. And so they really do have a product for virtually every one of those segments. Yeah. And you've also previously explained how device protection has primarily been offered by wireless operators and retailers. So I wondered if you see programs such as IMGs as directly competing with existing wireless operator programs, which is a Perhaps a a tough question to answer, but I thought I'd throw it out there. Mm, Well, God bless you for that. (laughs) Sorry, Uh, Clay. No, and and appreciate that you did ask the question, because that is one that we do get asked from time to time, particularly from the wireless operators. And actually, we do get uh, questions from folks like IMG saying, is there an opportunity if the wireless operators are already getting the lion's share of that business? But uh, I'll give you the short answer first and then a little bit longer. Mm So no, don't really see these as competing. And the slightly longer answer to that is the, if you look at a very successful wireless operator program, you would see maybe 30 or 40% attach rate, meaning if someone walks into a wireless operator, buys a brand new device, about 30 or 40% of those will probably get coverage in a wireless operator device protection program. Mm -hmm. So first off, that means that there's 60 or 70% of the devices that just aren't covered. And then secondly, if you think over time, the people that when they purchased their phone would have kept that coverage on their phone till the phone was no longer new Mm -hmm. until mom probably passed the phone down to daughter or something like that, at which point those devices aren't covered. So there's a very large universe of devices that just aren't protected. And it's not just the financial indemnifications we talked about. It's about getting those people reconnected quickly. So we're really working together to address really an unserved market right now. Yeah, it's a huge space, as you say. And um, going back to what you were talking about with the user experience, you mentioned that the quality, the grade of the device protection experience. I'm reminded of a Bolt demo I saw of of the user experience from Bolt. And I was actually quite surprised at how fast and easy it was. I know I shouldn't have been, but I was. I know it's tricky to do this without visuals. This is a podcast. But can you possibly talk listeners through, for example, the claims and onboarding UX? Because I'm a pretty fussy and demanding consumer. But mm-hmm. like I said, even I was impressed. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. If you th- think to what would be traditional PNC insurance claims processes, which would have typically started with a phone call that ultimately would get you to a case manager that might get you a call back that would take you through some sort of adjusting process. Really, that process is way too onerous for something as uh, time sensitive as a mobile device. And that's something where we put a lot of focus on making sure that this is a a complete end-to-end digital experience based on some of Our past experience in measuring net promoter scores, one of the things that we've seen is first choice for any consumer is to be able to 24 by 7 log in to a portal where they can go through a very intuitive and fairly easy path to make their notification of loss, have their claim adjusted in real time, as opposed to waiting till they hear from someone mm-hmm. and knowing that they're taken care of. And as, as you can imagine, damaged devices don't happen between you know 8 and 5 p.m. on weekdays only. And they're <laughs> happening around the clock. And yeah. most important for that individual is they just need to know that they can get their device claim approved and that they can take whatever steps we need to take to get them reconnected quickly. Yeah, yeah. 
Because it's an emotional thing as well, isn't it, right? It's going back to what I was saying is that we are very attached to these little things that sit in our bags and, and in our pockets. And, and it's not only our portal to the outside world and all of our apps, but it's our photographs. I mean, for me personally, it, it's everything. It would be quite mm-hmm. stressful. What about um, I saw, and I don't know um, whether you can tell me much about this, with again, with the claims experience. Instant, and I don't know whether you're there yet, I was hearing about instant approval and GPS mapping, mm-hmm. finding the nearest repair centre. I thought, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Yes, no, and and we are absolutely there. And so that's really that key part is being able to go through a a claims process, you know, one or two minutes, have your claim approved. And then the other part of it, and and even if you think through the IMG description, if you're an international traveler Mm -hmm. who's in the U.S. and something happens to your device and you need to get it repaired quickly, the ability to get that claim approved in one or two minutes But then the other part of it is, where would you even start to say, I need to find someone credible or reliable to repair my device that I can trust back to all of that important data that you have on your device. As part of our claims process and the geofencing that we have within that, we can direct that traveler or that person making the claim to one of our in-network or authorized providers Mm -hmm. so that they can feel good about that. The other side of it, though, is for, let's say, someone who does happen to be, you know, lives in the city, maybe they want to just go to the Apple store Mm -hmm. and have their device repaired right there. They can certainly go to other providers if they do have a trusted provider they'd like to work with. But in either case, it's as fast as they can get that claim approved, which was within minutes. And then it's up to them as if they need the device repaired right now, they can go out and get it repaired really same day or within minutes of making that claim. And this is the thing that impresses me. It's not just the service, the user experience. It's how the user experience extends to this suite of sort of logistics and how those can be personalised according to what people need and and where they are, which is uh, incredibly impressive. And I think, you know, that's probably one of the key Bolt USPs. It's a business that's grown up understanding the, the nuance and the complexities of the US market, but also brings sort of experience and also a portfolio of tech and innovation from, again, from Boltech, the parent company, who obviously have really carved out that name in, in Southeast Asia and in the UK and, and Europe for device protection. No, absolutely. I think that's been a key part is we actually work with our global colleagues mm-hmm. on bringing programs to market. And one of the things that I really enjoy about Bolt is obviously we do have great people Uh, working around the globe on bringing new products to market. But then it's also just the sharing that we have in terms of ideas as we work together. So sometimes we'll work together on a global opportunity and we bring each of the respective geographies to work together on that. Other times we just share what's really working well in a particular geography. I think one of the examples is just our global product team has brought some really amazing products to market. One that we call Click to Protect, Mm. which really opens up the bring your own device market to device protection or to bring your device from one mobile operator to another network and you get welcomed onto that network with a text message. We can embed right in that flow uh, a free diagnostic of your device. And if the device is working properly, you could get a message and say, would you like to also enroll your product 
or your device into our device protection program because we've already been able to de determine that the device is in good working order and it's not damaged. Yeah. So some great products that are coming out of our, our global product. Yeah, team. and I was actually seeing that Click to Protect is up for an award this year as well again. So that's really impressive. And, and I think that's another wonderful thing as well is the fact that, as you say, you're in the US, but you bring this, you're able to bring this global perspective because of all of the colleagues that you're tapping into as well. I know that Bolt Tech has all these innovation hubs from Portugal to Malaysia. So it's quite incredible how you can all tap into each other's work and lean on each other in that way, which is really useful, I'm sure. We've also talked a lot about the power of the Bolt Insurance Exchange on these podcasts. Do you see device protection in the lineup of products on the exchange? Absolutely. And I think it's just a key part of the power of Bolt and Bolt Tech is taking that exchange and the massive distribution that it opens up. And so we're being very thoughtful about which products to bring onto the exchange to make sure that they make sense in the marketplace. As we bring device protection onto the exchange, we're doing it in a number of fashions. One is to embed it into some of the other products that logically would make sense to have a device protection cover. Mm -hmm. The other is to also put it on to the exchange and let the thousands of agents who are using the exchange every day to sell PNC products to create, uh, I'll use the term, virtual bundles. So they'll offer, whether it's a homeowner or a renter's policy, and as part of that process, for them to be able to say to that policyholder, and we can also offer you some of the other products that would fit well and the, the beauty of it is because of the intelligence in terms of the questions that customer is going through as they're interacting with the agent on the exchange, the information we're learning is able to help us tailor what goes into that virtual bundle. Mm. Do they have pets at home? Oh, okay, we see you do have a pet. Then let's see if you might like pet insurance. Is it a family that maybe with kids off at college, maybe we'd see there's a good tie-in for a device protection product or even a connected home product? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's seeing the whole picture and looking at everything holistically, which is fascinating. And obviously, again, the, the direction of travel, from what I can tell. Just before we started recording, you made a really interesting comment, which is that wireless providers across the globe, the unsung heroes of the digital boom, which is my words, I'm paraphrasing you here, because they're the ones mm -hmm. providing all of this connection activity for so many businesses from the local mum and pop online outfit to big players such as Amazon, yet they're not charging commission. And I'd never considered that until you made this very good point. Can you possibly expand upon your thoughts on that? Yeah, certainly. And it does go back to the one comment I had made earlier is there was a time and day, which I think this should dating myself <laughs> a little bit, where you actually paid for the amount of network time you used on your mobile device, whether it was talk time or whether it was data time, you would actually pay for that. And in that world, the wireless operator was only too happy to have you use your device for streaming videos, for making e-commerce purchases, any of that types of interaction that you would do on your device. And they actually profited from that. You fast forward you know, 10 to 20 years and you see now that with virtually all of the voice and data plans being either unlimited or virtually unlimited through just extremely high caps, now all of that interaction, the streaming, the videos, the making, the online purchases, that's all being done 
on the wireless operator's dime. Mm. So trying to keep up with all of the demands for network access, yet they get virtually nothing out of every one of those transactions. (laughs) And so just really, it's just something that the wireless operators have not yet been able to get themselves back and to adapt to the fact that they're making nothing on all of this mobile e-commerce that's taking place. So products like being able to offer other products, insurance products, for example, through their network, but then they actually now get to participate in some of those profits and opportunities that would come through mobile e-commerce. Such a good point, because if anything, us consumers, we expect even more for even less money, if not for free, for the poor wireless providers are are giving more and more, and as you say, not getting much back, so it's time for a a, a sea change or a tie change there. What has also made me reflect upon my own mobile device habits, and I've touched on this earlier, is even just two or three years ago, I was using my laptop, my tablet, and my phone, I think in equal measure, and I don't know why this has happened, and I don't think it's just me, but increasingly, I'm just using my phone. I don't know whether you're the same. I don't know how it is for you and your family. Do you see that as a trend or is is that just me? Because most people that I know over here are now just almost bypassing tablets and, and going straight to phone. Yeah, no, absolutely. There was, a, I would say, an unfortunate time in history. If we look at the devices where you would see a tablet, then you would see a phone, and then you would see something that was called a phablet, which was halfway in between, which was just a a big, dumb-looking phone. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think, although that's you know, somewhat humorous to think of the this odd-looking device, I think it really did show part of that transition from folks saying, I need to be able to do more on my phone. And a key part that's really enabling that is just the omni-channel nature of virtually every online capability. Mm. Really, just even the last two years, as we've all dealt with this pandemic environment, all of the interaction tools, whether they're Zoom or Teams or things like that, have really made their experience an omni-channel experience where you can start on a computer, start on a tablet, transition when you go and hop into your car and continue that discussion or that meeting in your car on your phone or as you're out for a walk over your lunch hour, those types of things. So I think it's been that combination of the devices certainly have gotten a lot more intelligent, Mm. but just the omni-channel experience has improved so much that we expect to be able to just move those straight over to our mobile device. Such a good point. And and I don't think that's going to be reversed anytime soon either. And and of course, multiple businesses rely upon their phones to make ends meet. And I've been talking about me, my social habits and my photographs, but actually I'm thinking about people for whom their phone is their business, Uber drivers, food delivery drivers, dozens of other categories. So do you feel as though device protection has yet more growth and potential, if only from the consumer consideration? Oh, no, absolutely. It's a good point. One of the things that we're seeing is if you look at some of the statistics and surveys coming out now, just even over the past couple of years, is we're seeing that just even the number of connected devices in the average household Mm has more than doubled over these past couple of years of our pandemic existence. It just seems to be a reality now that our expectation is we are going to be connected and more and more our homes are going to be connected. Yeah. Although, don't hate me for saying this, but I'm determined to use my phone less at night. I'm going to yes. read books and just stop, get off Instagram. It's just addictive. So when we first spoke, you were still quite new at Vault. I know you've been putting together a team. 
I wondered, what's that been like? And what, or I should say, who do you look for? Mm, absolutely. We're very proud of the team. In fact, I was out in Tampa just about three weeks ago and had some of my team there and introducing them to clients that I've known for many years and was so proud to be able to introduce them to the team. You know, I think a key part of, you know, as we look at a team is certainly the, the level of expertise to be able to deliver but also just, and I'm, I'm going to make up, probably say this in a way that doesn't make much sense, but just a tremendous level of empathy of an understanding of what we are trying to solve for each one of our clients. Mm. So the ability to put ourselves into the client's shoes mm. and understand. So even some of the discussions you and I just had about what are the pain points for a wireless operator? What are the things they wish they could solve for? What are the pain points of a PNC provider who's now trying to deal with delivering homeowners insurance to a increasingly connected home environment? And so that's really, as we look at our team, it's a team that likes to innovate. It's a team that starts by really trying to put themselves in the shoes of each of our uh, respective clients that we're talking yeah, to. Yeah, I love that you've used the word empathy. And I love that you've just talked about that because it's it seems to be such an obvious starting point, look from the outside in. And yet it just feels to me as though phrases, words like empathy are, are not used very mm -hmm. often. So thank you for mm -hmm. using that word. And this is maybe an unfair question, but how would you describe yourself as a leader and what are the parts you enjoy the most and the least possibly as well? I'd be curious to know what what answer you'd get if you asked my team about that. But <laughs> yeah. I'll give you my thoughts. First and foremost, and it does go back a lot to that uh, comment about really putting myself in the shoes of our clients, is I would describe myself as a player coach. Mm -hmm. I've been, been a wireless operator for many years in various different parts of the world and have worked with so many different folks that uh, I absolutely want to make sure that I get to be part of those same discussions where we are really understanding and digging in deeper to uh, client needs. So that's probably the best way I would describe it is, you know, you know, actively, act, actively leading the team, but actively participating in everything that we're doing. That's really nice. Really, really nice. And listen, finally, I've kept you talking for so long, but I can't let you go without asking you about dance. And for those who missed the last episode, Clay and his wife are competitive ballroom dancers. Have you had the time to compete? Is that still going on? Certainly is. You know, one of the things that at least here in the U.S. has opened up a lot is uh, we're starting to be able to move about a little bit more. And we uh, actually just competed about a month ago at the uh, 2022 U.S. Nationals. And it was such a thrill, not just to compete, but such a thrill because there was so many competitors there. And it was just really exciting to see things starting to come back. And one of the things you see is during all of this pandemic time is can see that what people have done in their free time, whether it's practicing and advancing in their dancing or taking up other hobbies and things like that. So yeah, it was pretty exciting. Yeah, like old friends, I guess. Um, well, yes. yeah, Clay, thank you. I think you're one of the nicest guys in insurance I've ever met. It's so lovely talking to you and you always give such brilliant answers and make me think about things. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks so much, Fiona. Always a pleasure speaking with you. And that ends our podcast. If you want to learn more, head to boltinsurance.com and do make sure you follow Bolt on LinkedIn because we'll be putting a load of bonus content on there as well. You've been listening to InsurTech Perspectives with Bolt. My name's Fiona Mattesini. Thanks for listening.